Tony again. Welcome to another episode of FTU, Life After the Military. Um, if I haven't said it before, that's the intro music from now on. That's uh, the theme music for Sting. That's Turbocharged. Um, he hasn't <coughs> used that music in years, but um, like I said, that, that got me going every time I had to leave the wire in Iraq. So we'll see how long that goes before I get a cease and desist uh, letter. Um, but today I'm um, joined by my uh, good friend, Chris. Um, I don't want to give out your last name because your husband didn't want to give out his last name. Uh, I, I don't know if he's, uh, you know, plotting something or <laughs> I don't know what he has going on. <laughs> I just think he tries to avoid all the fame and glory that could, you know, be associated with this. Well, you know, I'm sure, you know, um, he might say something that's going to offend my or my uh one listener in Canada. <laughs> right. Uh, uh, but um, so again, I'm joined today by my friend Chris, and I wanted to bring her on because um, this podcast is geared towards helping veterans find jobs, uh, giving them tips or techniques that might help them. And I don't know anybody who's had to find jobs more frequently than Chris because of their PCS moves. Military wives, I don't think, or spouses don't get the credit that they deserve for having to pack up their families, help their kids with uh, having to leave their friends and make sure nothing's forgotten and then get to a new place, every, set everything back up and then go look for a job. Um, so I know as veterans, we try to make it sound like this. Oh my God, this is so difficult. How am I going to do this? It's, it's like the seven, the 12 labors of Hercules that we're describing here. And it's not, it's just finding a job. So I wanted to have you on so you could put into a perspective that all of us understand. Okay. So you want me to go? Yeah, go ahead. Okay. So one thing that I figured out early on is because we were going to move so often, it was important for me to have a job that would translate to different locations. Um, so I got into banking early on, figured out you can be a teller just about anywhere. You can also, if you can count cash. So like for people, like for, I guess for younger spouses who don't have any job experience, a good way to go is to get a job as a cashier. And then um, that can translate into banking and then banking will um, lead to other stuff. So one thing that I would always do is, Every job that I had, I tried to take on more responsibility than the last one so <clears throat> that I could add more stuff to my resume. And then um, I don't wait for jobs to get posted. Am I going too fast? No, skip over too much? Okay. No, you're, so good. you're good. Every time I moved, um, I, I don't wait. Like, I don't look in the newspaper. I don't look on job sites that are posting jobs. I list you know, one thing, the first thing that I would do is like list places. Like I'm going to work in a bank. I pretty much knew that because I got into learn how to can handle cash, became a teller, eventually worked my way up into doing loans and customer service and 
so pretty much in banking, I can do anything from the ground up except for like, um, like, um, my brain just stopped investments. So I can't do that. I never learned how to do that yet, but I can do mortgages, any of it, but make a list of like, okay, so go to your Google type in financial institutions, make a list of the, all of the financial institutions in the place. You can always go to anybody's website and click on careers. You can always submit resumes, even if they're not hiring. So usually within a couple weeks to a month, I would have a job no matter where we went. So that's how I did it. <clears throat> Again, okay, um, um, no, go ahead. Um, no, so uh, we've talked a little bit about um, different programs uh, for military spouses. Um, when service people are retiring, that there's training that military spouses can um, partake in as well. Um, did you use any of those services either while you guys were in or while you're transitioning out? I never did. Um, I just always like the first thing that I figured out when I married Drew is I had to learn to be self-sufficient. So I just figured that stuff out on my own. I know that there are really great programs. Um, <clears throat> you can go to like army community services and you can, they can help you build a resume. I know because not everybody knows how to do that. Um, they can help you find different sources for locating jobs. I just quickly figured out it was better for me to depend on myself, like in general, not just where jobs were concerned, but being married to a soldier, you can't go into that thinking like you're two halves of the same whole and expecting to always be like a joint unit and being able to depend on anybody. So I always just figured out how to, how to do that stuff on my own. No, that's great because, um, you know, we keep pushing um, programs out here. Um, I used absolutely, I, I used one, the Onward to Opportunity uh, for my PMP certification. Um, but it's good to have your perspective because as service members, we try to say that transitioning out is this big life change. And it, and it is, but it's not so much, in my opinion, it's not a life change Finding a job isn't the difficult part. You've done it multiple times and you just used your, you know, perseverance and your smarts to do it yourself. And we overcomplicate it saying like, this is so hard. I need help. I need somebody to help me write my resume. I need somebody to help me find a job. I need a network. I didn't want to go that route because as I stated multiple times, I didn't want the army getting any of this credit. This is all me, <laughs> all mine. And so I'm very proud of the fact I, I was a little stressed there, um, but I was going to sign out on terminal leave. So I still had another two months before I actually had to be, have a job. So I, I still had time. But I didn't, you know, I found it. Fortunately, I found a job before I, before I uh, signed out. I feel like that's probably pretty common. And I think that the biggest trap you can fall into is believing that it's going to be as hard as they're telling you. You just have to be adaptable in your way of thinking. And I think because of what you did, where you were in civil affairs, and I don't know, you guys are like trained to think outside the box or you learn to think outside the box. 
that that is huge because you're not going to just follow the steps that they've laid out for you. You're going to find your own way to your goal. And that's, I think, how you're going to be successful for anybody is one, be adaptable in your thinking and don't just believe that it's going to be hard. And while it's like an insurmountable thing, because everyone tells you it's going to be hard, you just got to learn to adapt your way of thinking and, and do it a different way. So. Yeah, definitely. And so I tried not to take things personally because I applied for at least 70 different jobs. Wow. Um, because how hard We're is it not to sit here? around, Tony? How, I mean, how hard is it to sit here at a computer and like, okay, I'm going to fill in this application. You know, I could right. watch my episodes of, of Cheaters and fill out an application at the same time, you know? Right. <laughs> we make it sound hard. It's, this isn't, it's not 1975 where I have to put my application into a typewriter and, you know, type it out on an old fashioned, you know, it, it, it's not, it's not that difficult. We're just making it difficult. And yeah, I, you I don't have to mail your resume anymore. You just upload no. it. Yeah. It's... And the job boards, I, we've gone over that. Um, I personally didn't have too much success with Indeed, um, but ZipRecruiter was great. And I got a few callbacks from, from the places that I replied to on there. Um, and it was, once I had my resume set up, all I had to do was click easy apply and it would just send it automatically and fill in the information. Yeah. And I had the app, I had the app on my phone. So I, I understand what people are saying, but to send, saying that I sent 70 resumes sounds like it's a lot, but it probably took me all of two hours to do. That sounds like a lot in two hours, but you're impressive. I think, yeah, like just for me, the most important thing when it comes to when it comes to actually seeking a job is just think about where do I want to work and what like once you get where you're going to land, where you're like when we hit Idaho, I made a list of any place here that I might want to work and I go straight. I don't wait for them to like put the job out there because a lot of times they're going to post internally and it'll be posted on their website before they ever put it out to like Indeed or Monster or any of that. So you can get your resume in early that way. For me, that that was a no-brainer. And I know where I'm willing to work. I'm not going to work at Walmart or like, you know, not that, that, not that there's anything wrong with that, but I knew I didn't want to. So make a list of the, you know, the places you might want to work. Yeah, I keep and, bringing up that I applied to this uh, Smithfield, right? The uh, plant where they do the hog slaughtering. Don't they do chickens too? Yeah, but the plant that I was applying to was just hogs. Awesome. Nice. And I was asked why. It's like, well, why not? I mean, I used to work in a factory for, uh, you know, where they made audio cassettes. So I'm, I know the manufacturing process. I was a medic. I was trained in vet, you know, as a vet as well. So I know a little bit about that. Um, I have management experience. Why not? Right. Well, I guess that's that thinking outside the box thing. Like who would ever think of applying for a place like that except for you? <laughs> well, I'm not going to lie. I thought about just maybe getting discounts on like buying bacon or something. You know? <laughs> nice. I wish I had more advice, but you know, one other thing that I can think of and I know that Drew would disagree with me on this one is to milk that um, 
that prior service thing. My first job that I landed here in Idaho on my cover letter, I, I advertised the crap out of the fact that my husband was retiring from the army and, you know, people want to hire you if you're prior service, because then it makes them, it makes them feel good. It makes them feel like they're doing something to help out somebody who served our country. So I always, I mean, I use that to my benefit too. So actually Drew was, um, had the same opinion as you did because, um, I was adamant that I wanted to do it on my own. Right. And, um, because I brought up the whole, when I, when I, uh, left high school, I went to UC Irvine as an engineering student and I let the, uh, Caucasian kids and the Asian kids there, um, tell me that I didn't belong because of, I, I was only in because of affirmative action and that took a toll on me. And, uh, so I did graduate. Uh, but he brought up a good point. It's like, who cares? Especially at right. this point in our life. It's like, we just want an opportunity. I don't care why you're giving me the interview. If you feel sorry for bald men, awesome. Then I'm your guy. Right. Well, and if that's not taking advantage, I mean, that's not affirmative action. That's you having served your country and admitting it. Don't, don't try to gloss over the fact that you did that. You deserve anything you get because of it. Because you gave up a lot. All well, of the fans yeah, but, but even still, um, you know, we're not. How many people apply for one position? You know, tens, hundreds, maybe thousands. So any advantage that you can give yourself, why not take it? Right. I, I try to tell my kids when they were growing up, it's like, Hey, if you ever get into a fight, you fight to win. So if you have to go get a two by four, then you hit that guy. Right. You know, because I don't know anybody who's ever said, you know, I got beat up, but at least I fought fair. Right. Those that are very happen. Um, so it's like you don't want to be dishonest when you apply to these places, but you, you know, use any advantage that you that you have because Yeah, for sure. You know, you're just trying to provide for yourself and for your family. Yep. I 100% agree. So you had to go from Hawaii to Idaho. Um, for any listeners that are out there who were not in the military or have no idea what that's like, because I'm in the military, but I planned my career out, so I never had a PCS. My biggest PCS was going from one side of Fort Bragg to the other and then back and then back again. Right. Right. I think the furthest I ever left Fort Bragg was out to Camp McCall, which is a 30 minute drive. Right. Um, could you just go over that process a little bit? Because um, I don't think people who are not affiliated with the military truly know what that's like. Because I don't. I know I sure don't. So... When we were in Hawaii, I was working for a mortgage company, which was a huge add to my resume. And um, I knew that was going to open up a lot of doors. So I always, I think I gave like three months notice at my job there. And I worked up until I absolutely couldn't work anymore when they were like packing up our house and moving our stuff. And then in the meantime, like a month out from even arriving in Idaho, I was already sending out resumes. One, because, you know, the money helps and it's it's a good idea to get your foot in the door. And 
for life to feel as normal as possible when you finally get, you know, when you land and you're trying to set up house and everything. But I lost my train of thought. I'm sorry. The money, I guess. And just for me, I guess that was that the main thing was just having that feeling of normalcy and trying to get myself set up. And I also knew at that point that Drew was about to retire in a couple of years. And so I needed to land a really good job because I didn't know if I was going to be the primary breadwinner, which is a scary thought. So I wanted to get my foot in. So I actually had, um, I had a job interview by the time we got here and I did, I did work that military wife angle the best I could. I, that cover letter was letting them know that we were coming here when to work at BYU Idaho, which is like a huge thing for people around here because they're all LDS. So I worked whatever I could to my advantage again. Um, so my husband was going to be working at their college and this was an LDS credit union that I had applied for. So I knew what I was doing. I was working my LDS angle and my, um, my army angle, but they actually called me in Hawaii before I ever even got back on the mainland thanked me for my service as a military wife and, you know, basically asked me what my salary requirements were going to be. And they held that job for me. They, they could have probably filled it, but they held it for me until I got here, interviewed me for it and found out that I was as awesome as I promised I was going to be. And then they hired me like right then. So it's not always that easy. It doesn't always work out that smoothly, but I guess just planning ahead, knowing what you're, what you want, what you're willing to, to do and just trying to, to work at the, like you said, throw everything in there. Um, so you said, I'm, the sorry, for your... I'm sorry, Tony. No, don't worry. Um, <laughs> like I said, uh, you know, my first podcast, uh, I was terrified and it was just, it was just me in my office here at my home office. Just thinking your thoughts out loud. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, I, growing up, I had a stutter. I had a lisp and words were coming out. I didn't know if I made sense. I didn't know if I was speaking English. Right. <laughs> oh, oh, wow. I mean, this, this is a podcast, you know, I'm not on the nightly news here. <laughs> right. So it's, it's not, if people are going to like write me and complain that I stutter if that makes you feel better, have at it. Like, okay, if that makes you happy, sure. Okay. Um, not to get sidetracked, but so my point of view at life has changed. Um, once I went to go get help for my, um, for my PTSD, and then two, after leaving the military, um, I don't have a lot of the stress that I used to. Um, yesterday I was walk, uh, walking out of my uh, office, the building, uh, so I could take a break. Um, Cause again, I have no windows. Um, so I'm back into basically another warehouse office. Nice. And so I walk out so I can get some air and there's this gentleman walking up and uh, he's calling me and he's asking like, Hey, do you know where this location is? And I said, no. And he wasn't in uniform. He was obese. He wasn't overweight. He was obese. He had a beard. So I figured he was looking, going on a job interview. So I wanted to help the guy out. It's like, Hey, well, who are you looking for? I might know him or I might be able to find out who this person is. 
And he got upset. It's like, I'm looking for this place. It's like, and so the military in me got upset, right? But the retiree in me came out. It's like, okay, well, you have a beautiful day. I turn around, walk back inside. Good for you. It's like, because it's not my problem, buddy. If you want to be upset, go ahead. But I'm not going to waste my time or energy arguing with you for nothing. Like, right. go ahead. You be miserable, buddy. Have at it. Yeah. And the sad thing is. You, people throw that shit down. Sorry. People throw that no, stuff down. You don't have to pick it up and put it in your pocket and carry it around with you. That's not yours. You don't even have to take that with you. The sad thing is I knew where he wanted to go, and it was on, completely on the other side of post. No, oh, well, so. poor guy. Hey, Dad. I think as far as back to the to the job thing and you talking about how they're saying it's going to be this hard and um, – and it is, it is difficult no matter who you are, if you're trying to relocate and start over again in a new state and get a job. I think the most important thing that I have learned, and this is just life in general, not just the military. Don't give yourself excuses. Don't allow yourself to make excuses like this is going to be hard, so I'm not going to try. You've just got to make it happen. And that I can see that you're doing that. Like, I know... Knowing you, just getting help for PTSD was a huge step. And asking for help sometimes is probably hard. But you got to do what's right for you and take care of yourself and your family. Well, yeah, I didn't, you know, just didn't want to carry that anymore or at least learn a better way to carry it if, if just that. I think acknowledging the fact that you're carrying it is a huge first step. Not everybody can even admit that to themselves. Well, we're hoping that with this podcast, other people will hear it and say, you know what? It Who cares what other people think? Yeah. A lot of the people that I worried about their opinions. Um, you know, I got in trouble for drinking in South America. And once I got in trouble for that, those people that I was concerned about their opinions never wanted to talk to me again. I was persona non grata. So who cares? Yeah. Well, Hey, so I had again, one, one that's more not question. just the military. That's life in general. You said um, when they called you, when you were in Hawaii, they asked for your salary requirement. Did you research that before? I researched it. I looked on, you can look on like indeed and see like what I don't, I don't know if it's a hundred percent accurate, but something that I have learned in the six years that we have lived here is that you have to really ask for what you know you're worth. And I think that was something that I learned over time. Um, cause I took, um, a way lower paying job than I could have because I, I just wanted to be working. But over time I've realized I know what I'm worth and it's important for you, for you to ask for it because they're no, no one's ever going to give you anything if you don't ask for it. And if you say I'm only worth $14 an hour, then they're only going to pay you $14 an hour. So definitely like tell them this is my salary requirements and fight for what you deserve. So, yeah, I did. I researched it. I looked in, on Indeed and certain, you know, like 
like I said, I don't know 100% how accurate it is, but I know what, like, the, what do you call it? The average wage for, for the types of jobs that I do across the country, and then I round up. So, you know, that researching on Indeed is a good place. Um, I forget, uh, I think, what is it, Glassdoor is another good yeah. place. Yeah, it is. But, just a tip, um, when you go on interviews, just make sure when you apply for different jobs, make sure that you know what their, because so, some of the jobs will list what their, what their budget is or what their hire, hiring uh, scale is. Right. And uh, so I went to one job that I actually really wanted and uh, I got my job confused. And so I asked for 10,000 more than they had um, that they were going to offer. Right. So it came down between me and another guy. The other guy asked for less. So like, well, we're going to take this guy. So. That's a good point. Yeah. You probably don't want to overshoot too much. Well, I mean, just make sure that you keep your jobs straight. Yeah. Like write sure. it down because I was doing everything just in my head, which is a bad idea. So, Chris, yeah. I don't want to keep you because I know this was your day, early day. Yeah. Hey, hi, everyone. How's it going? Hey, so uh, just finished up the interview with Chris. Um, the problem is that I uh, had some technical, technical difficulties. So the last seven minutes of the discussion uh, were edited out. Um, you really didn't miss anything. It was just me jibber jabbering about um, nothing much. Um, so I just wanted to say thank you to Chris for being on. Uh, thank you for all of your insights and breaking down job searches and um, interviews to a level where I could understand. And if I know if I could understand, then other people out there can understand. So I want to say thank you to you and to Drew for everything you've done for me and my family over the years. And I wish you all the best. And I hope you guys uh, have a good Christmas, a good holiday season. Uh, to everybody out there, I wish that you have a happy Halloween. And remember, you're important, you matter, and you're special. Right? Make sure you take care of yourself, both physically, mentally, and emotionally. And we'll see you next time. Zot, 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 and roll tide.